Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, we had a market that kind of finished to the upside. You remember during the overnight trade, there was a lot more red on the screen than what we saw to finish out the day. Mixed numbers happened on the livestock side as well. As we get ready, hard to believe as we've been talking all week, this is the last trading Wednesday of 2022. We're going to look at this impressive performance, though, that we saw by the grains and the oil seeds with the end of the year here. I'll talk a little bit about the charts. It's something you cannot have an argument with no matter how much you want to try. We'll take a look at China, of course, COVID with them. Harvest is underway in South America. So lots of factors working into our markets, not even to include what's been happening on the livestock side. Arlen Suderman joins us today. He is with StoneX. And definitely, as you and I were talking before we uh, started recording today's program, we'll get it spit out, um, nice numbers that we saw in the soybeans. So really a good, impressive Wednesday trade for them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, frankly, I'm very impressed with what the soybean market is doing. Corn and wheat up as well, but what soybeans are doing is pretty impressive. The January contract has found a solid lid on it at around the 1490 area for the last six months. And now we're finishing the year probing above it. And we're probing above it at a time when we're about done with our export season, essentially. Yes, we're going to be shipping soybeans that have been previously bought for the next four to six weeks. Um, but beyond that, we're not going to be selling a lot of soybeans on a weekly basis going forward because harvest has started in Brazil. And the focus is on buying cheaper Brazilian soybeans now rather than U.S. soybeans. And so our one of our major demand factors is about to wane. And here are soybeans doing something they haven't done in six months and push above that 1490 level. Now, the January contract's about to go in delivery, so let's talk about the March charts, and that's $15. On the, and so $15 is kind of the significant area of resistance for that March contract. And we tried on Tuesday, we probed above it and collapsed back down. I wasn't surprised by that. But today, we tried again, and we held above it. Now, we still have not taken out Tuesday's high, and that's going to be significant to the bulls to be able to do that. So how we finish this week is going to be very important. Now, how could we be going higher when the fundamentals look weaker? Well, that comes back to the charts. That comes back to money flow overall. And we're, what we're seeing is evidence of some increased money flow into the grain and oilseed markets and to some extent the energy markets as well on optimism about China reopening next year. And since China is the world's largest importer of commodities, therefore they're saying we should put money into commodities. That doesn't mean that every commodity is gonna benefit the same or, or that US commodities are gonna be there to fill that need necessarily as in the case of soybeans as things shift south. But it is a macro news factor that the mark fund managers are using to direct money into here right now. I'll feel better about this if we get into the next couple of weeks, the new year, a more normal trade flow after the holidays, and we're still holding up here. But right now, it's pretty impressive. You talk about not arguing with the charts and what we're seeing this money flow. There's a lot of factors that are kind of being blended together in what we're seeing in this grain complex. Well, there certainly are. And in the end, it comes back to money flow, Um, money flow that's moving through these computers largely that control the bulk of our trading right now. Algo computers that uh, trade headlines and uh, trade chart signals 
And we saw this a couple of weeks ago when corn and wheat, even though nothing really changed fundamentally, other than with wheat, we had the winter kill event that happened last week, of which we won't know the final results or actual damage here for a couple of months. But we got pretty cold in the plains in a hard red winter wheat district and some areas about 30% of the belt or more had inadequate snow cover and we likely had some winter kill. How much? We don't know. But that was about the only fundamental factor. But yet, end of the year buying by the funds, charts turned, broke through the top of the descending channel on the charts that had held the markets, the corn and wheat markets for the last couple of months. And once that happened, that triggered additional algo buying, momentum buying also coming in there and trading that momentum to the upside. And that continues till now. Will it continue to end the year? Will it continue into the new year? We'll have to see, but for now it's positive. I'd feel a lot better about it if it had stronger fundamentals beneath it. As you look at the the harvest that's already underway in South America, no real preliminary numbers coming in, but what type of pressure do you see putting on us in those first couple of weeks of 23? Well, yeah, the early fields have been cut. It's like harvest starting in, in August in the Delta soybean harvest. And so it really has very little direct impact on the market. Um, yields, you know, are hard to really tie to what we're going to see later as the bulk of the crop gets harvested, et cetera. But those are early beans that start making their way to the ports. And it's generally estimated that as harvest slowly picks up momentum, that as we get into the month of January, there'll be about 1 million metric tons, about 37 million bushels of soybeans. They'll be able to load onto boats to start the 45-day trek across the water to Chinese ports. And then we'll see a lot of soybeans being available by February as the harvest really picks up momentum. So China has basically bought all what they need already for January shipment. Um, U.S. soybeans are well-priced for that January loading period relative to Brazil, uh, a little bit cheaper, 10 to 15 cents cheaper per bushel. But China has most of what it wants. And by the time it gets to February shipment, still needs a few more for that. Um, but Brazil beans are already cheaper, and that's where it's booking them. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we are going to continue to take a look at what's going on in China as they come back to what's going to be their new norm headed out. We'll also take a look at some happenings on the livestock side and really what we're seeing in these markets as we wrap up 2022, maybe one of Arlen's highlights of the year or maybe lowlights. You never know. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman with Stonex. So we talked a little bit about China and some things that have been happening when it comes to bean purchases. But COVID is is there. Uh, folks are intermingling some more. They've got uh, restrictions for travel into the country and out of the country uh, being lifted. So a lot of things been working with China. How do you see that and its relation back to the ag sector? Yeah, I think it has a big impact going forward. And uh, I I think we're going to see the rip effects of that through much of 2023. Um, I get information virtually every day from uh, my employee that I have in our Shanghai office. There is uh, we work with customers on the ground in in China and uh, we're seeing a, a big impact right now. Life is tough in China. We estimate that COVID has probably impacted somewhere between 
40 and 60 percent of the urban population already in China. And it has really gone through the cities fast. The first city to really get hit hardest is Beijing. And so that's providing some some indication of to traders in the marketplace of what to anticipate. Uh, and that is that those people who got COVID first in China are really anxious to get out now that they have immunity and to get back to life and enjoy the new freedoms they have since the restrictions have been lifted. They can travel anywhere within the country if they want. They don't have to show their Q codes on their phones that they have tested negative. They don't have to be tested. They can go, they can travel. And so the lines at the, the subways have, are back again. The lines at some restaurants are back once again. And so that's raising a lot of optimism that once China gets through this and gets herd immunity, that we could see a very rapid rebound. And since the Chinese people have basically been in varying levels of restrictions and lockdowns for the last three years, they haven't traveled as much and they've been saving money. And so they have that saved money that's there to spend now once this is all over and they get through this. The real question is, is how bad will it get before it gets better? Now, I mentioned those people already had it in the cities and how they're doing, but there's about 500 million rural people in China, more heavily elderly people with more complicated health complications where their health care is very antiquated. And that's the big concern right now that could really hit China hard or not. We simply don't know. Obviously, this variant isn't as bad as the early variants as we found here in the United States, but it still is significant to those who have health issues and complications. So if we're, if China is able to weather that storm here over the next uh, weeks ahead, uh, as it goes through their rural population, then we should be able to start seeing China rebound and their economy open up and truly see a rebound in demand for commodities as we get into February and March. And that's what the market is trading right now. That's why we're seeing money flowing into the commodity sector, especially the energy and grain and oilseed sector. Uh, the market may be over anticipation, over optimistic, but that's, the, that's what they're trading right now. Well, it's hard to believe that 2022 is just about over. Maybe for some, it hasn't come fast enough for you. What was your what was the high of grain or livestock as you look back on on this year? Well, I don't know what to call highs or lows. Maybe the same thing. But as I look back at 2022, I look at it as a year of geopolitical realignment. Uh, it's the year that Russia and China um, joined together along with some other nations, primarily the BRIC nations which is India and Brazil and Saudi Arabia, to form more of an alliance. And whoever you trade with in the, in the world, you're either a friend of that group or you're not a friend. And so we saw trading partnerships change, de- decreasing efficiencies of trade. And I think that was a significant factor in 2022. And the no longer comfortable with just-in-time supplies, but countries hoarding their supplies, providing a boost to commodity prices. What are you looking forward to in these markets in 23? I'm looking for China to rebound from COVID, and that will increase demand for commodities. Now, how much of that the United States will get is still a question. We're going to go from La Nina to El Nino, it looks like, and that tends to favor good yields across the Midwest. Maybe a few dry areas, maybe more so in the western Midwest, 
but overall we tend to produce good crops in El Nino's. And I think we'll probably see Russia try to find a way out of its war in Ukraine. Not that it's reached its objective. I think it'll be back, but it needs a break to kind of regroup and, and recalibrate, so to speak. And then I look for volatility in the commodities to continue next year, maybe even more so than we saw in 2022, but that's yet to be determined. Lots of great things. Wishing you and your family a very happy new year. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? At StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. I highly recommend following Arlen with all the information he shares with folks. We want to remind folks as well that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. 880 KRVN, 106.9 Kearney and 98.5 Grand Island.